Hello everyone, welcome to Open House, the number 36 podcast no. for relationships <laughs> in Great Britain. I didn't think you were going to put that in, but you did it, you I did it. I have been waiting to put it in. Yeah, that's it. You've heard it here first, guys. At one <laughs> point in January, we hit number 36 for the relationships section of iTunes for Great, Great Britain. Britain. Yeah. I mean, I'm fucking stoked, mate. I'm actually really proud. That's quite. An I think that's a. I think that's dead good. It means that more than ten people have listened to us. Oh, it. thanks, guys. Thanks, friends. Thanks, folks. Thanks for listening to us in your ear holes on occasion. And by sometimes. thanks, you mean thank you, Clancy, for replaying your own work about five times a day to Wait. up the number oh. <laughs> of plays that the podcast. I've also has. been doing that. I'm just not. I'm just a bit more low key than you are. Anyway, this is the podcast about having difficult conversations. Oh, that was new. That just came out of nowhere. That was just, you know, just me being spontaneous. I love that. Very um, like, I'm gonna I'm gonna do some some social stuff because social stuff. because I think you all need to know, even though you probably know, but we wanna tell you to follow us at Open House Pod on the Instagram and at underscore open house pod on Twitter because I don't think the other one was available or something. Um, and you should you should do that because we've got some great content. You should also rate, review, and subscribe, please, because it really rate, makes a difference. Please, please, please rate and review the podcast on iTunes. I know, like, probably fucking every fucking podcast you listen to tells you to do that, but it actually really helps us so that I can stop replaying the podcast five yeah, times a day yeah do that okay are we gonna talk about anything else yes um Mel we recently discovered can't sing her ABCs correctly oh my god it's absolutely like it's an abomination no and she nah. teaches children to sing the ABCs wrong so we all know it's a B C Yeah, I know that one. Yeah, I know that one, but that's just boring. K L M N O P. No, it's just the alphabet, Mel. Go and please sing for the listeners your version of A B C. Right. So let me just get this straight, yeah. So that I know that one. I know the alphabet. I know that one exists. Versatile. I am just versatile, and also we just decided to shake it up. At I don't know. I can't remember. Anyway, are you all ready? It goes like this. I'm also sure, Clancy, you can join in because I've sang this to you a few times, serenaded you while you've been in the bath. <laughs> 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 I don't know where that came from. Okay. Um, so it goes like this. Uh, um, I'm nervous. <laughs> You're a professional actor, Mel. Get it together. Oh, I know. Oh, okay. Breathe uh-huh. deep into your diaphragm. I am. Oh. Soft palate. Get that retraction going. Okay. <clears throat> <laughs> Why are we waiting? Oh, okay. I can't look at you when I do this. I'm crying. I'm crying. Okay, right. It goes like this. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. All the letters came to T. You know it. H, I, J, K, L, M, N. The food was quite delicious. O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, and W. Hey, they came hey. to X, M, Y, A, all the hey, pie. Hey. And Zed washed up the dishes. And Zed washed up the dishes. <laughs> this is a recurring theme in our house. Clancy no, just likes to piss take no, no, my no, accent it just, it's just all the time. It comes out of 
I mean, I understand that I can't do it, but it just comes out of nowhere. It, like, it's just because the vowels. You'll be speaking in like, a, just like a kind of estuary. And then all of a sudden- My accent like, is not estuary be... though. Like, it's no, just it's, like, new, it's, it? it's, it's like Northern. RP, is it? Well, my accent changes all the time, but like, I don't have any Southern vowels. I thought sound. estuary was kind of, maybe I've got this wrong. I thought it was kind of like relaxed RP. No, no. Anyway. Um, so that was the strange version of ABCs. If you learned this at school, please write into our email and tell us to know that Mel is not alone. It's talk, what is our email? Talkopenhouse at gmail.com. Yeah, please make me feel, make me feel seen, make me feel validated in my existence. Yeah. Great. Today. Okay. Oh yeah, we've got to do this. Yeah. The, the episode that you're about to hear is with Sonia Barlow. Yes. Who is extraordinarily impressive and very funny. Enjoy. Here it is. Welcome to Open House, the podcast all about having those difficult conversations. Ever had to hash out funeral plans with your terminally ill mum? Or ask if your dad is really your dad? We have, and we want to chat all about it. Join me, Clancy. And me, Mel, as we open up and get into some nitty gritty details. Like therapy, but cheaper. This is Open House. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back to Open House. Hi, guys. Nice to see you here. Or hear you here. Thank you so much, Clancy. That was very slow on the uptake, but I'll take it anyway. (laughs) We are so stoked because we have a really very, very wonderful person in our studio today. Um, We have the wonderful Sonia Barlow, everyone. Sonia is an award-winning entrepreneur, TEDx speaker, podcast host, independent diversity consultant, and soon-to-be published author. Sonia is also the founder of LMF Network, a global community dedicated to reducing inequalities through providing life skills programs, which includes a mentorship scheme, digital training, a supportive community and access to expertise for everyone. In 2020, she was one of the winners shortlisted for the most influential women in tech UK, women in software changemaker, top 50 BAME entrepreneurs under 50 2020 and Marie Claire future shaper 2020. Please welcome to our virtual studio, the incredible Sonia Barlow. Thank you. Such an amazing intro. Sometimes when people introduce me, I have to like pinch myself just to confirm that I, I I have done that. Considering you know the same the same girl ten years ago would probably have been in a different position. So thank you so much for inviting me on. Thank you so much for oh, coming we are, on. Yeah, we're Sonia, so happy to have you. We are so excited as well because we come from the creative industries and we're like, oh, we're talking to a proper person who does proper adult business things. So it feels like an event this morning. <laughs> It really does. I don't know if I'd call myself <laughs> a proper adult. I'd yeah, I would. I'd call you a proper adult. I think, unfortunately, a lot of it comes from being the eldest in a South Asian family. You were an adult when you were born. Like, the amount of responsibilities that were placed on top of you, I don't really think I've ever been a kid. <laughs> Sonia, how, how has your lockdown three been? Do you know what? It's it's okay. I mean, I've um, I've had the pleasure of moving between lockdowns, so... Every lockdown I've actually had in a different house. No way. Yeah, so it's That's interesting. Um, so my lockdown three, I, I moved in with my partner over summer. Uh, so this is the first lockdown we're having together. And that together. brings us to our first difficult conversation. So to answer your question, it's been, it's been good. It's been interesting. Um, actually, I was both fortunate and misfortunate over the winter period, over the holiday period, my Gmail stopped working. 
So oh. I didn't know, realise it stopped working. So my messages just weren't coming through. There were periods where I was like, okay, cool, nobody wants to talk to me, great. I'll take the I'll take the Christmas break off. And then I come back, um, or sorry, I came back in January and I have all these emails, people like, you haven't responded to something that we sent you three weeks ago. I'm like, I haven't had anything in my inbox. Oh my gosh. What was that like then? Like, how did, how did you respond to that? Because I feel like, okay, shame valve, in the past when I've forgot, genuinely forgotten to reply to stuff or just been general level a bit rubbish or like doing my procrastination thing, then I've definitely gone back to people and being like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. My email stopped working. I am really, I, I really do apologize, but that wasn't actually true for me. How did you deal with, how yeah. did you deal with that in that situation? Because I'm sure people out there are probably like, is this person telling the truth? Because in my case, I wasn't. Yes. So in your case, you were. Such a great question. Tell I mean, me. ironically, there's been moments where I probably have said, look, I, you know, I misplaced or I haven't read it, which was true. Um, but I, I genuinely went back to people. I, oh, actually, I got people messaging me on LinkedIn being like, FYI, you have an event. The first week in Jan that we come back, <laughs> you haven't responded to me. And I was like, because I haven't received any comms. And then I had someone DM me on Twitter being like, FYI, you have a workshop on the Monday that we haven't received a response for. I'm like, because I don't know anything about it. So we got to that point where I'm very, you know, we, we people, people are like, why do you need to be online? I'm like, this just proves why it's good to have your profile in different, in different uh, social media platforms. Not because you're active, mm. but because if someone can't get through to you on email, at least they can through LinkedIn <laughs> <laughs> or they can through Twitter. Um, it's a very important message to put out to the listeners, I think. Honestly, it's like, what is your backup plan? If your emails stop, where can people reach you? But to answer your question, so lockdown three is, has actually been okay because over the Christmas period, I didn't have as much work as I should have had because my emails actually stopped. So I was able to really enjoy the moments with my partner and kind of really enjoy this festive period, go for long walks, um, binge watch Netflix. I've just watched so many episodes and I got really into writing my book, which my editor's going to listen to and be like, why are you not into it anymore? Um, I was like really into it. (laughs) And I wrote my, I wrote uh, three chapters I think which was great like drafts and I've got two left and then I've done all of it and then I've got another month just to edit it so it's amazing but it was both productive and and not productive but I needed not productive like I'm a busy body as I'm always yeah. on um yes. so you know I think there's no there's no better time for gmail to mess up my email <laughs> is it um I can ask is it fiction Sonia or is it non-fiction your book it is non-fiction. So it is called Unprepared to Entrepreneur. Um, and fundamentally, it's exactly that. It's you wanting to be an entrepreneur or founder or side hustler or a leader and just not having the preparation around it. I mean, you know, I went and studied business at university and I can guarantee you that I'm not... I didn't really learn anything from a degree other than how to, like, talk to people. Um, and I say that really openly, not because my degree wasn't great, but because it wasn't time relative. And that's the point yeah. I'm trying to make is when you're studying business, you want to know about, right, well, can I start a, a business off Instagram or can I start it off LinkedIn or how do you just reach out to people, you know, do podcasts from the, the privacy and the space of your own home? How do I make that into a reality? 
Whereas, no, exactly. Whereas when I was at, at university and many people at university, they're like, well, you need a solid business plan before you go forward. You can't make it happen without investors. What about HR and managerial decisions? But no one actually tells you when you're an entrepreneur, you are everything plus more, right? I am my own PA, yeah. my own admin, my own marketing manager, my own accounts holder, the budget holder, as well as this like mastermind. And then when things get tough, your own your your own therapist as well. So, you know, you get a little bit crazy talking to yourself in front of the screen, being like, okay, but Sonia, what would you do in, in a different situation? What could you have done differently? How do you feel about the reply that you've sent forward? Um, so fundamentally, I just I just got really tired. Uh, and please, you know, uh, agree to disagree or, or disagree with me is, I got really tired of the same entrepreneurial stories online, which I are not attainable. Like, if you have you know, finances from your parents or charms from your mother or you're born into wealth or equally you just knew about it from a young age or you were allowed to do things from a young age, then you already have the advantage. I come from not that background and I, I don't come from that that upbringing. And fundamentally, you know, the book came about because I was tired of hearing the same stories and the same like unattainable uh, directions or kind of narratives, you know, work really hard for X amount of years and grow in the pipeline or be super loyal to a company or kind of wait your turn or even the myths that, you know, you need to be a certain age because entrepreneurship, the average entrepreneur is between kind of 40 to 48 years old or something similar, you know, around around right. that age. So it's so the, the stories which is unattainable and now uh, at the same time, I get a lot of people being like, well, how did you start where you're starting? I'm like, well, I made loads of mistakes. <laughs> Um, and I'm still making mistakes. They're like, but you're smashing. I'm like, I am, but just the other day I lost my domain. So what do we do? <laughs> no. I'm going to be really annoying. Do we have time for two truths and a lie? Yeah, go for it. Okay. All right. So we have a game that we like to play called Two Truths and a Lie. I'm amazing at it. I'm not going to be modest anymore because who needs modesty? I'm really very good at it. Basically, you're going to present us with two truths and a lie about yourself it can be anything it doesn't have to be super deep it can be about pets or what it could be anything and then myself and Clancy are going to try and guess which is the truth which are the truths and which is the lie and um likelihood is I'm going to win because I'm very good at it as I said okay well I'm just writing my lies and my truths down because I okay. also don't I don't have a poker face so <laughs> I'm just gonna have to do this um, okay, cool. So let's do this. Okay, are you okay. ready? Yeah. But I'm going to decide my face because I'm actually <laughs> on, a, on a serious All righty. Would you like to give us your two truths and one lie? Okay. I was able to drive a little yacht ferry across the Amalfi Coast. Um, I cut a cake with the Archbishop of Canterbury. And I am addicted to coffee and drink about four to five cups a day. Oh, okay. I think the coffee is the lie. Oh, no, wait, hang on. Let me think about that. Yeah, I think the coffee is a lie because you're really busy and I don't think you have time to drink four to five cups of coffee a day. <laughs> but I was and... drinking when I started this podcast. <laughs> Oh, this is true. I think it's oh. the I think it's the yacht. I think it might be a little like rowing boat or something or a sailing boat. 
Or maybe it wasn't the Amalfi Coast. I think the details in that story, there's too many details that can go awry. So I think it's the yacht one. I also think there's too many details about the coffee. I think maybe it's like three to four or something really close. Yeah. Okay. I say coffee. Fancy says Amalfi Coast. So it is coffee. Told you. I'm so good. <laughs> and I don't know how you got that. But I but I am a tea addict, so I do have four or five cups of tea a day. That's the only thing I changed. Oh wow. Also looking for a tea sponsor. Available. If anybody would like Yorkshire to tea, there is no other tea. Yeah, Yorkshire's really good. I just um I actually drink decaf, so <laughs> I'm a terrible ah. tea drinker, but I don't need the caffeine, so I don't do that. Fair. I need a caffeine drip at all times. Do you? No. Like, I'm not going to lie, like, my usual wake-up time is 10, so, like, to get up for this meeting this morning, I was like, someone pass me the coffee. Cassie just walked into the kitchen like, must have Caffeine does the opposite to me. It makes me sleepy. Really? I'm naturally super energetic, so it's, yeah, it's it just doesn't work for me. But, yeah, so that was a lie, just because I'm more of a tea drinker and it's decaf and, you know... Decaf and oat milk. Um, <gasps> yes, oat milk. Also, all of the pucker teas, lots of the pucker teas, they're like different like herbal ones. Yeah, they're, they're so like good. Caffeine. I love them. And they've got a really good like B Corp brand thing going on as well. Yeah. Like, really good. So, for, like, and I, I did I did drive like a little yacht ferry in Italy, in the Amalfi Coast. Really weird. That's Don't amazing. know. But it's like my but fun I- fact of life is when I was studying abroad, my friend and I went there and um, the, the captain let us up to the wherever the captain sits and was like do you oh. want to drive the ferry and it was like yeah okay cool and there was like 100 people on it don't know why i also <gasps> drove a train in italy as well they why you don't so need cool? a license for this kind of stuff in italy I, I don't know but it's not safe so wouldn't wouldn't recommend it and <laughs> oh yeah when God. i was younger i did cut a cake with the archbishop, archbishop of canterbury for which i do think i have a picture somewhere so that was like my claim to fame that's so cool Oh my gosh! If you have a picture, you'll have to you'll have to um, share it with us. Um, I think that's a good opportunity to start with a difficult conversation. Um, do you have anything with starting your business? Any difficult conversations that you came up against? I don't even know where to start. So I think I've, I've shared this before, but fundamentally, when I started the LMF Network, it was nothing more than a brunch club, <sighs> right? No way. Yeah, but no one showed up to brunch. What? What are they <gasps> so, doing? So, why would you not show up to brunch? Oh. See, this is my exact question, is why would you tell me you're coming? I mean, and you didn't. I'm so sad about it. I'm I actually would, like, like, so bitter about it. God, you should be bitter. Brunch is so important. <laughs> I'm missing brunch from my life so much right now. Have you, Sonia, I don't know. Do you live in London? I do now, yes. Ha- okay, so we, for my birthday, which was in between lockdowns in September, we went to um, this this place in um, Hackney called the Barge, Haggerston called the Barge House. And they do breakfast in bread. And it's basically brunch in a sourdough roll. We are not sponsored by them. I just love their breakfast But if you're listening, <laughs> we don't mind being sponsored by you. We are available. <laughs> And Absolutely retailers fine. are going to need us. Absolutely yes. fine. <laughs> um, but for the next LMF brunch club that people will fucking show up to, I'd recommend so. breakfast and bread. So, yeah, exactly. So to answer your question in the beginning, it, it was, you know, formulated overnight. So I was super frustrated. Um, 2018, I graduated in 2015 and I, so I, I got really brave really quickly and I was like I don't need social media so I had no social media for three years okay 
2015, 2018, I had like no social presence. And then 2018 started and I was transitioning between roles. I was like, I'm super lonely. Like my, the, co- the company I was in, I didn't really make any friends. So no one actually sent me like a leaving card and my managers didn't even show up to my last day. And then I like transitioned to my new role and I was like, great. So I'm in London, but I didn't really have any friends. And I just found myself spiraling. So I, I was like, okay, well, I don't have a lot of money to go and pay for all these like networking events. And also I just don't think you need to pay to meet people. It doesn't make any sense. I jumped on LinkedIn, I had like 100 connections, I made a LinkedIn group, and then three weeks later I got super brave again. I was like, great, I'm gonna make this brunch because I love avocado and you love avocado. <laughs> 12 people were like, yeah, we're gonna show up. I went on the day I sat there with uh, my friend Dewey and 45 minutes later they asked for my table back and they were like, do you know what? It's a really good, really good time, but we just need it back. And this was London Bridge, uh, London Grind, London Bridge, oh. sorry. So like they were, they were yeah. popping, they were buzzing. That's like a new um, But I didn't tell anyone no one showed up. So I like pretended that seven people showed up because I was super embarrassed, right? Not, not going to pretend, like I was so embarrassed. That happened a few times and then people did start showing up. Then um, another difficult conversation we've had includes, you know, I can tell you all the stories, but uh, Instagram blocked our Instagram account. The first one. Why? Uh, do you know what? I don't know. Like they have, they should have better things to do, but they clearly they didn't. They don't. They're consistently like blocking people for like nipples and stuff. It's so annoying. Exactly. So we had like 5,000 followers <gasps> on our first Instagram nice. and then they blocked it. And so another difficult conversation we had was trying to bring people over to our second one. And actually that, that doesn't convert very well. So Jan 2020, we started from scratch. Um, and then from a from a third perspective of different conversations, I mean, running a business, I was running this and I'm still running this as a social enterprise, as, as, as a passion project, as like a social good, right? But yeah. some of the employers that I worked for didn't see it the same way. So on a, on a really serious note, some of the most difficult conversations I've had are the ones with those who work within the business to say, well, why are you doing this? And why are you posting this? And and what is this about? And it's constantly you're trying to make them believe that you're not doing it to leave their company. It's not a competitor. You're doing it because you need to do it. So as much as DNI is at the forefront of conversations today, but actually two or three years ago, it wasn't, it was a myth. You walk into your workplace and they, uh, ex- you know, internally don't have the budget to support DNI initiatives because it wasn't important. And they weren't following the trends and they weren't hyping it as as much. And some of the most difficult conversations I've had have been at work to say, yeah, I was out last night doing an event, but it doesn't mean I don't want to show up to work today. And it's just, you know, business is trying to get over that mentality that you are loyal and you're only, you know, loyal to them and your blood, sweat and tears are there. But actually coming to the reality that the Gen Zs and the millennials of the world have a different income stream or they may have a different passion project or we want to use different parts of our brains not just what we're doing day in day out and how do you approach a conversation with potentially a superior at work and almost kind of like disarm the threat if that makes you like makes them feel at ease that you're not their competitor that you still are invested in their business but that you also can succeed in a new path how do you, how do you do that how, like because that seems like an impossible situation yeah such a great question so um I can only tell you from hindsight because for that same or similar reason I've actually been dismissed from two companies um 
<laughs> but I honestly, nothing's off topic. I don't mind sharing these things. But to answer your question when you're having a difficult conversation, and actually at the back of having difficult conversations, I know, I know run a course on how to have difficult conversations. It's it's you it's you kind of very much, you know, there's two ways of doing it. But the way that I, I guess I did it was you, you, uh, you know, you cultivate an attitude of curiosity. So you go and inquire. So it's, is there something wrong? And you pretend like you don't know, because actually I didn't know. Right. So you're like, what is going on? What's, what's the reason behind it? And you listen. And the most important thing with listening is listening with without your own lens. So it's like actually hearing what the other person's saying mm-hmm. and not trying to take it into your own perspective. It's like, you're saying this, let's answer the question you're saying. Then once they've they've shared everything that they, they have to say, it's you going back with facts and figures and evidence and proof, right? Your biggest proof is actually I've done my day job. Actually, I've I've been here for eight nine hours, and I'm I'm conversational and I'm uh, approachable, and you can you know I'm I'm involved. Actually, my last three um, you know one to ones with my manager went really well. So the point is, you bring in the evidence to show that you're not kind of digressing, but then you also bring the evidence to show well this hobby that I'm doing outside of work is building these skills, and this is how it's going to come into play. So if I'm constantly online and messaging people it just means I'm improving my communication skills which means I can then showcase that or support you with that internally in the business and then you work together to co-collaborate a solution you can't have a difficult conversation and expect to come out of it a winner or a loser because that doesn't that doesn't exist what you want what the ideal outcome is for you to come out of it and the other person supporting you and is able to and is able to respect where you're coming from and also understand where you're coming from and, and build a solution together. Um, that wasn't necessarily the case in, in my in my scenarios, but that's what could have been different and, and could have been reflective. But also we're talking about different times. You know, yeah. for anyone listening who works in a business or is an employer or works in a company, if your colleagues have side hustles or passion projects, you shouldn't feel threatened by them because actually the, the world is changing and if anything, COVID has taught us that one in 10 of us are disposable and more and more companies are making us redundant or putting us on furlough or losing, you know, allowing us to lose our jobs during this uncertain time. So the loyalty aspect doesn't exist in the same way. But at the same time, if you nurture the side hustlers and, and you know, those who are doing external activities and bring those skills and those strengths into your business, imagine how much you can flourish and how and how, you know, how loyal then a person becomes to say, wow, my business 100% supports me and whatever I'm doing externally and they're allowing me to to progress and grow within the business. I definitely want to stay here. It's so interesting you say that about uh, people at work starting to recognize the value inside hustles because Mel and I are both actors, so we're Mm -hmm. freelancers um, and everyone has a side hustle. And if you don't, you can't afford to live here (laughs) you can't afford to live anywhere you know uh yeah literally so we all have side hustles and we all um know that we're disposable so (laughs) it's funny I almost feel like um 2020 has um given everybody in the job market like a taste of the the feeling of being a freelancer and knowing that you can be so easily replaced to put it joyfully. Yes. Do you think that there are like specific kinds of side hustle that especially um, like large tech companies might not deem the useful kind that make those conversations come up in the first place? Like, do you come up against sort of um, 
that sort of um, barrier, I guess, when those things might look a bit mutually exclusive? Yeah, such a great question. So if I if I tell you the the mindset of those within technology, and I can also relate to that now because I'm a founder and a startup owner, right? Is that there's two things. It's it's tech itself is already competitive as an industry. So as much as we are trying to put more diversity into in, into the industry or the industry has, you know, got all these targets and quotas, one, they're not hitting them, okay? So they might be increasing it, but they're not actually hitting what they need to hit. They're not actually making that difference. But the second is we unfortunately, and this is something I've realized, is we've unfortunately been, been socialized. And I mean, as women or those who are non-binary and those who don't basically identify as like white, Caucasian, middle-class men, right? They, we've been, we've been socialized to believe that there's a uh, competition, that there's only one seat at the table, that only one of us is going to get ahead and that there's a certain route that you take to get there. So a great example being is when I was in technology, I'm not technical, but a lot of my managers, my female managers, never my male managers, my females were like, you're not actually going to get anywhere in tech because you're not technical, right? Oh, These are the kind of conversations that were coming up and they come up uh, kind of internally. But again, when you, when you reflect on it, it's not, it's not their fault they're necessarily saying that it's also the way that the system tells you is that there is a way to go you know ai is important coding is important machine learning is important of course it's important it's just not i'm i'm not able to do it right if i could i'd love to but i'm just it just doesn't spark my natural strengths or my talent whereas i can speak in front of like five thousand people and and you know not feel ashamed and go out without prepping anything and feel like i can do a good job but to to go back to, to your question so there's those elements within technology, but equally it's, there's two more things. One is the lack of education around it. It's if you are not transparent with your employer, with your friend, with your family as to what you are doing outside, how can they support you? And how can they support you if they're not educated? If we are, if if the world is changing and in the last, you know, let's say five to 10 years, more people have had side hustles and income streams. And like you've said, you both have a day job and then you have another job because your day job may be, is, is not temporary, I say, but the finances aren't stable. Equally as are mine, right? My finances right now aren't stable. Being an independent consultant of any kind, you have to really bid and beg for your work. So it's about taking them on that education to help them to understand you're not a competitor. You are just doing something because that's where you naturally fit, but you also want to grow where you are today. And the third thing is now as a startup founder, I have to admit, you become so narrow and so, so tunneled in your own vision that you can't help but think, oh, okay, so my intern's doing something different. Are they going to leave me? Are they going to go somewhere else? Oh my God, what am I going to, it's going to take me like three weeks to replace them. It's going to cost me so much money. Uh, that's another task I have in front of everything I'm doing. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, either I let them go before they leave me or I wait till they leave me and then I have this like four weeks of 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 finding someone or I sit down and have a conversation with them just to make sure they're aligned. Right, you can't help but think like that because you want your business to work and it's your child yeah. and you don't know what else to do with it. That doesn't mean it's the right way to think. It just means that these now these scenarios do play in my head. And so a lot of things that I've been through in my corporate kind of life that have brought me here, I guess I understand a little bit more of. I don't I don't necessarily I wouldn't put the words of respect or agree with them I'd say I'd understand gosh I'm literally office life is yeah I know my brain is like um I wonder just because you you mentioned it before I think this might be a bit of a of a deep segue 
But um, I've heard sort of a lot about the one seat at the table remark. And especially, as you say, for women and non-binary folk and those who aren't privileged, like middle-class white cis men. Um, Have you faced any difficult conversations with as you say, other other women and non-binary people and other people that aren't like <laughs> the top dog in the world of the world. Um, and if so, how how do you navigate that? Especially obviously as somebody who you have this conscience that you know that it is that we've been socially conditioned to believe that there is this mm. one space and when you want to be open to that and receptive in the knowledge of that, but still these conversations come your way that is so many questions I'm aware but yeah like what are your thoughts about that and have you experienced that and how do you deal with it I would I would start by being very honest and saying you know when I when I first went through I didn't know how to deal with it so I became really Mm. secluded and I basically conformed in a way that I wasn't naturally comfortable with but I thought I had to be in probably hence why I haven't necessarily fitted in or I haven't succeeded or in the way that maybe is another success measurable or I haven't necessarily um, enjoyed the corporate life as much as I could have is because Mm -hmm. I found it really difficult putting on this facade and and I'd say a facade and there's a couple of things around that one because I didn't necessarily align my skills with the roles that I was going for okay so a part of that is your own internal reflection and perspective to consider are you actually doing what you're good at or are you just doing it because you think it's going to meet a different KPI? So such as money, for example. Okay. So I left, I, I wasn't a really good salary when I was working in corporate world. Um, honestly, like really good. And now, yes, I'm not making that, but I'm far more happier because my version of happier is being able to coordinate my schedule and wake up when I want and, you know, fundamentally... I'm I'm planning out the the path that I want and and uh I'm using my strengths which fundamentally right now is my voice. So I'm using that to really build on my career and my my kind of like knowledge about other factors such as community and and you know equality and diversity and so forth. But yes, yeah, so I've I've had difficult conversations and for anyone listening, you know, the first thing is is sometimes it's you, sometimes it's not. And the point of that statement is sometimes it actually is you right if you're walking into the corporate you're a dick no usually it's always me and then and it takes me a really long time Clancy and I have been having this conversation recently yeah Yeah, like it takes me a really long time to figure it out so to anyone that I've the thing is like you 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 leave or whatever education or you know and I I love the fact that you're so honest about it like Mel you leave education or I left university and you, you automatically think, wow, I'm an adult. Wow, I'm here. I've made it, I'm here. You don't think that corporate is just like, it's just, you know, another another form of like high school, but with money. Like it's really, it's very, I found it really, I found it very difficult to be in the corporate world at some point because I felt like it was very gossipy and bitchy and bullying. Of course I did. Like I can't, I can't help that. You know, the corporate world, as, as experience in both, yes, teaches you discipline and structure and routine, and I needed that. It also teaches you basics like admin and how to not be, it, it also teaches you the difference between a good and a bad manager, okay? So now that I'm running my own startup, I've required that. But yes, the, you know, that one seat at the table mentality, a lot of the time it was the female managers that take me to side and, and, and maybe not have the most positive conversations, and it was the male managers that I'd see, oh, you're actually quite good at this. Why don't you come here and we can support you and we'll open this door for you. 
So I've had that throughout my corporate Gosh. world and uh, throughout my throughout my kind of you know, work, work in the corporate, which is good and is bad because what it's taught me is now I run my own startup. It's basic things like I'm terrible at admin, but I know that I have to get the admin side of things done how to mm. correspond or communicate to, to those who are more senior stakeholders and what kind of KPIs fit them, um, how to bring on interns or volunteers and how to really make sure that I'm a good manager and I can help their progression and I'm focusing on, on their skills and their strengths rather than just giving them tasks to do. These are the kind of things that I've picked up that are really helpful. But I get this conversation, uh, sorry, I get this question so much. And what I'd say is, I, I obviously as one person, no one to tell you how you should be in the office or not in the office. But what you should know is we as as human beings now and as, as you know, those who are progressing within the world should have enough sense to know when something is toxic and when it's not toxic. Right. Mm. I left toxic cultures. I left them because I didn't align with them and they didn't align with me. It was it was a two way problem. It's not just a one way problem. It's also a self-reflection of, like I said, Actually, I probably didn't align my skills as to what was required. I didn't really make the most of the strength that I had. And equally, I was chasing this dream that didn't necessarily exist. Um, and also, there's a lack of education around yourself and, and others around you. But yeah, difficult conversations, you know, happen within within the corporate world. They also happen now as, as an entrepreneur. I've had difficult conversations with with interns, with volunteers, with partners, um, you know, during the first kind of lockdown in COVID, we lost a sponsor because they equally didn't have any more funds to, to contribute. I've had different conversations with, uh, you know, other other founders that I think are inspiring that I'd want to bring on to my own podcast or do interview with for my book or invite them onto XYZ. And equally, I'm having difficult conversations all the time, which I believe both of you can relate to when it comes to your funds and your pricing and, and managing your time. As a freelancer, yes. you're firstly like begging and bidding for work, which which I'm still doing now, despite running a business, you're always tendering. And then you're having to negotiate on what you think you deserve. And there's been moments, especially in 2020, where I've taken things for like peanuts or nothing because I've, I've, uh, I've, uh, I've just been afraid. And I'm like, wow, what if nothing comes along? What am I going to do? And that's the reality for a lot of people right now. No, absolutely. We're having like a similar situation where I have an employer who was oh, like, yeah. I can't pay you guys your full salary. Um, I have to pay you half. And I, like, you, I can't say anything to change that because she says that that's her budget. So I can, as a freelancer, I can either accept it graciously or I can walk away. But right now, I don't have the I don't have the funds, and there isn't the opportunity to get a job to replace that. Mm -hmm. So as much as my moral compass is going, I am worth more than that, and I would never provide that service for that fee. I'm having to make an exception for the fact that I need to put food in my mouth. It's super difficult, and a lot of people don't recognize that. Um, you know, I run two businesses. I run myself as a brand and a business consultancy, but I also run the LMF network. So with the LMF network, we have a mentoring program and it's extremely successful. We launched it in 2020 as a pilot and we had 140 matched mentees and mentors across 18 countries over six months, right? That's massive. We've just started, um, we are launching our second one in February 
we've had more than 600 people sign up. Wow, that's incredible. Right, which we have to manually match and we're designing and delivering a six month program. It's absolutely free, et cetera, et cetera. But then you go to companies, you're like, look, you are trying to hit DNI quotas and targets. You want diversity. You want to upskill your talent. All we're asking you to do is cover our Zoom cost. They're like, hey, do you know what? Yeah, that's great. But we don't really have the budget. <laughs> but what if we come on and you use our logo? And it's like, no. Even we know our worth and we know the value we're adding. You know, but if I said to you, why don't you pay for everyone's breakfast Just or buy everyone like... Pro, it costs twelve ninety nine. Exactly. <laughs> like, you know, in the hindsight of things, what's like... You know, Zoom for us, for example, costs over two grand for the year. <gasps> now, if I'm self-funding it, I've got to figure out where to make that two grand. But a business that is rolling in profits that wants to hit DNI targets for There's you, two grand is nothing. No, yeah. But for us, it's so significant because it saves us. Yeah. yeah. Wowza. Um, I'm very aware that you have to get going with your day, but can I ask, I want to kind of move this conversation into the personal realm. Yeah. I'm wondering in your, in your just life as Sonia, have there been any difficult conversations that you've come up against recently that you've been like, I don't know how to do this thing. I think at the moment, difficult conversations and a lot of it is in the book, but I think we, you know, we were talking offline before we we started this considering you're starting a podcast and you have a podcast so last March May in March and April I lost all my income okay so I didn't have any money as as many of us didn't and so I was like right I should start a podcast cool I've always wanted to start one this is the time so I literally woke up on a Monday I was like I'm going to start one and by Wednesday I had my first recording and by the (laughs) next Monday I just I just shared something out and then there was a partner and a, and a and a and I guess someone that we were trying to work with um and I emailed them and I was like you know what I'd love it if you could be a guest on the podcast and they emailed back being like yeah that's great but it's a bit like what mic do you use I'm like well I'm not an editor and they were like well it's a little <gasps> bit jarring and I was like what <laughs> I'm like, it's my second episode. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just trying to get something out. Like, I'm not a trained technician or an audio producer. Do you know what I mean? I love how this is based on one episode as well. They were like, do you know what? I don't like the the show. You're like, it's just one episode. So <laughs> I've got more to give. <laughs> no, exactly. But you know, on, on that note, so I actually tried to go on the radio in 2018. And this was, was it 2018? Like, right at the end of 2018 come 2019. And there was a radio station, which I won't name, um, but I I started this segment. But it starts with a... Uh, I mean, I'm sure if you Google me, you'll find out. But, <laughs> but, but, um, but yeah, so I started this like radio show and I got three, three people to come in as guests and we recorded. It was really good and it's very relevant in the times. And it was right before Christmas. So obviously they only had like one or two shows to share before Christmas time because then the adverts came up and the Christmas content came up. And in January, they just stopped replying back to my emails. And I was like, what are you talking about? And they basically replied back at the end. They were like, well, your uh, conversations didn't get like the ratings that we required. So if you want to carry on doing it, it's going to cost you £250 per episode. And I was like, what? What? I was like... So you're asking me to pay to do an episode? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, but you're just, but you've only put that 
online twice. We haven't really marketed it properly. And it's right before Christmas. They were like, yeah. I'm like, so I don't think that's enough time for us to make this like judgment that it's not working. And so I was like, okay, whatever, you know. And that's, I think, originally what feared me from starting a podcast. And then I start a podcast and someone's like, oh, yeah, like, second episode's a bit jarring. Oh, oh, and I was like, yeah, that's fine. But You're like, also, knockdowns, audio, not for me. Yeah, I was, I was a bit crushed. I was a bit like, oh, okay, sword in the heart. And then I got a little bit down. But this is where the power of community is so important. And so I messaged um, the other people that were on, were episode were guests but also a couple of people in the network right like friends and 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 not not family but like friends and and colleagues that I'd met and I was like this is the feedback I've got and what do you think and the replies were so kind they were like well first it's your second episode like no one knows what they're doing also maybe it's a little bit rude to say that by email like it's constructive but it's also a little bit rude also Maybe not a nice person. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, maybe it's just not the best. Um, but how do you take that conversations into into like molding it, right? And this is what I meant by before. Yeah. Sometimes it is your fault. Sometimes it's not. But the point is, is always something that you can do to improve. And that's how I how we try and take things with difficult conversations and with with uh, with all the opportunities that we've spoken about and all the good and the bad. Yes, this conversation has had a lot of this went wrong and this went wrong. But the point is, what did you do at the back of it? Did I kind of, you know, brush it under a rug? No, I went back and I very much broke it into pieces and I learned from where I could have done something better. And I tried to fix that through the work that I'm doing now. And even with the podcast, okay, so I learned how to edit better. I, you know, read the, I watched the tutorial Audacity, which was amazing. I bought a mic and it's, it's, and you, you started becoming consistent because the truth is, when someone has started something new and you and you kind of um, share that advice or that message with them, you're not building their confidence, okay? So a difficult conversation doesn't mean you shouldn't have it. It means that there are ways to have it. It means that you want to be productive, you want to be constructive, and you want to go into it and say, actually, we've done a podcast before. This is how I think you can improve your sound quality because of these reasons. Here's what I would suggest. Give me a shout when you feel comfortable. If you want me to talk you through it, great let's take it from there, right? That would have been a better message because that would have given someone hope. Imagine that someone who's starting this this side hustle or this hobby or this passion project isn't as confident as I am. You would have broken them. And I like think it's- Like Francie's grandma when she gave us hate mail in the first episode of our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun time had by all. Stay tuned for an episode where I read out the message. That's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, it was wild. She's a harsh critic. But the Bravo. thing is, you carried on, right? Because you have that strength. Oh, yeah. But what if you didn't? So the point I'm trying to make is good and bad's going to happen in the world and the right and wrong's going to happen. But it's about how you as an individual take it into your, in, take it back into your power and, and realize, okay, where can I progress and what can I do better and what does that look like and try again? And then as individuals giving feedback, it's it's constructive in the way of, here's a pattern I saw Here's what I propose you can do better. Here's some exercise or resources that you can go and learn from. If you need more information, maybe I don't have the time, but here's how you can go, you can you can go and upskill yourself and then just give it another shot. What we're terrible at, be it within corporate, be it with colleagues, be it in the community, or just being outside, is we're terrible at giving advice constructively and then expecting people to come back. 
and and I think if anything, you know, this pandemic or this life has taught us, we just we just got to be kinder. Like, why are we such? Why are we so mean all the time? I just don't understand. Sonia, <laughs> you plucked at my heartstrings. I yeah, and I think like... you've just like dispelled the need for our podcast ever again. Sonia's answered it. That's how you have difficult conversations. <laughs> That's it. Everyone. Thank you very much. Season Done. two finale. Finished. Open house. <laughs> Do you know what? I just, I just talk a lot. So hopefully some of that was like informative and the rest you can just edit out. No, it was incredible. Sonia, thank you so much for your Honestly. time. We really, really appreciate it. Do you have anything that you want to plug that you didn't already mention? Genuinely, just, I just, um, <laughs> what do I want to plug? I'm super bad like at plugging. Socials or LMF. But or yeah, anything. sorry, I should, def- should definitely talk about the socials. So yeah, definitely connect with me. Um, I'm at Sonia Barlow UK across all social media. And... Uh, would love an increase in my Instagram followers. That'd be awesome. Uh, and LinkedIn. Um, and LMF Network is at LMF Network. We are running a global mentoring scheme. We've got a social mobility um, program coming out, which we're launching. And we also are opening up our Slack channel. So we are very much looking to build and grow this beautiful community that we already have um, across across the world, which is amazing. And then personally... Uh, look out for my book, which the pre-order launches in April. Um, and follow my socials, where I'll share, share lo- loads more content on everything that we've discussed and more. And plus, if anyone's listening and they are just wanting to have a conversation or reach out or have any problems or questions they want to go through, just drop me an email. I'm always up for having. Um, so what I do is I've tasked myself in 2021 to have at least one virtual coffee with someone new every week um so uh in 2020 in the beginning of the year i started this thing which was selfies with sonia which was very similar and i'd genuinely go and meet people in real life and then have a coffee with them and take selfies and then covid hit so that didn't really work but in 2021 i would love a virtual coffee with one new person a week so just reach out and we can make that happen oh that's amazing Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We're so insane. We're so insane. We really are. Thank you. It's been delightful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. This has been Open House with Mel Lowe and Clancy Ryan. Music by Glenn Clark.